Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's See what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hi, Susan. How are you doing this evening? Oh, I am doing extremely well. How about you? Oh, I'm doing really well. We have had a nice little bit of a warm up today, and going to stay warm yes. tomorrow before we. A lot of snow. <laughs> mm, maple 
weather. The sap is running when it's over freezing in the day and below freezing at night. Mm. So if you're by a sugar bush, it's time. Hooray. (coughs) Hooray. You know, I was thinking about how I say that we all lead charmed lives. We just have to notice the charm. And sometimes it's like really subtle. And you have to not so much look for it, but let it come to you. Many years ago, I bought a book by Clarissa Pinkola Estes, the Mm. author of Women Who Run With the Wolves. And this is called The Faithful Gardener, A Wise Tale about that which can never die. And it was one of those books that you buy because you love that author, so you want to have that book, but I never read it. It's a thin book. Not it's insignificant book. We're not talking about some tome that I had to get into. It has 80 numbered pages, so it's a, a short little book. But for some reason, I just let it sit there on the shelf, perhaps, because I see that sometimes I prefer the anticipation to the actual, you know? It's like mm-hmm. the anticipation can go on and on and on, but once you have it, well, then, hmm. So, um, and then, I guess it was about a month ago, I was sitting in the room where this was on the shelf, and I had you know, one of those five-minute periods that crop up. And you think, what do I want to do? Nobody wants anything from me right now. And I picked up this book. Mm. And I opened it up. And the first thing I read by her, Clarissa Pinkola Estes, and it says, New Seed is Faithful. It roots deepest in the places that are most empty. Mm. And on the back of the book, it says, what is this faithful process that touches empty ground and makes it rich again? It's greater workings I cannot claim to understand. I only know that in its care, what has seemed dead is dead no longer. What has seemed lost is no longer lost. That which some have claimed impossible is made clearly possible And what ground is fallow is only resting. Resting and waiting for the blessed seed to arise with all God's speed. And it will. Wow. So beautiful. Just right for this time of year. Wow. You know, it was like... So, looking back then, I said, thank you. Thank you, the charm of my life, for casting my eye there, for getting me to buy the book all those years ago so that it would be there for me. Oh, I love that. Yes, yes, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) There's a... A book review that I saw that really caught my eye, it's called The Power of Women by Dennis Muhoeke. In the past Mm. 25 
years, conflicts in the Democratic Republic of the Congo have created an epidemic of sexual violence. So let's parse that out because it's not like politic anymore to say what that means. That means that women are being brutalized and used as sexual objects. I'm not saying that there may never be any violent sexual attacks on men. There certainly may be. But when we hear sexual violence, what we really need to insert there is against women so that we're very clear about what's going on. In 1999, the author who trained as a gynecological surgeon founded the Pansy Hospital in one of the country's most troubled areas. Wow, what a thing to do. To go to a place that isn't your home and found a whole hospital. You know, the breath of that person's heart is just awesome. Wow. Since then, the facility has treated the rape injuries of 60 cent women. How many? 60. 60,000. Oh, my God. That's horrific. In in 23 years. Wow. Mwake, who won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2018, recounts his story and offers resonant portraits of the women who have most affected him. One of them is Wamuzila, a teenager who was kidnapped by a militia forced into sexual slavery and then abandoned in the rainforest before arriving at the Pansy Clinic. Her experience was one among many that inspired Mukwege's campaign for gender equality and nonviolence. Mm-hmm. And face of it, how wonderful and remarkable, but my eye stopped right there at gender equality because what's happened is not the passage of the Equal Rights Amendment, the Equal Rights Amendment, which makes sure that women have equal rights, has not been passed, and we've been working at it for over 60 years. Gender equality is now being put out to mean that anybody who wants to call themselves any gender should be equal to that gender. Oh, wow. I heard a really wonderful speaker this weekend. Jeffries was her name. I'm trying to remember her first name. And she was talking about the things we don't tolerate and why we don't tolerate those things. And she was talking about things like blackface. So it used to be fairly common, but we don't tolerate that anymore. And she says it's because it's disrespectful and because it's cultural appropriation. That's really cultural appropriation, really pretending to be something you're not. And she talked about a young man 
who decided that he was Korean, and he went to a surgeon, and he had his eyes and his chin, and he has surgery scheduled for his penis to make it shorter so that he looks Korean. Oh, my gosh. And, of course, there's some outrage because the Korean culture is not being respected. He can't just say he's channeling his inner Korean is what's being said. And yet she says we're in a situation in which woman face is being allowed and that the culture of women is being disregarded. And that's what's being pushed these days as gender equality. It's not equal for women. It's erasure for women. And it's erasure of safety, and it's already happening. I'm not being paranoid, as we know. I'm pretty unparanoid. So think about these things, and let me tell you the name of that book again, The Power of Women by D-E-N-I-S. M-U-K-W-E-G-E looks interesting. Also interesting is Tanya Oceana. Tanya Oceana is a community herbalist in Portland, Oregon. She reached a dead end with her medical training. It felt like there's got to be more. That started her journey into holistic health. <laughs> she got hooked. Soon she was reading all the books she could find. Any of us ever been there? Yes, indeed. We'll hear more about her story at 9 o'clock tonight. So stick with us or come back at 9 and hear what happens with Tanya Oceana. How are you? What have you been up to? Oh, well, let's see. Today I was cleaning a chicken coop, <laughs> taking advantage of the warmer weather for that. <laughs> <laughs> Homesteaders day off. Hmm, guess I'll clean the chicken coop. <laughs> yep, that's right. That is right. So, yeah, just mostly doing home stuff. We found the dining room table this week. That was super exciting. So we've never really had a really nice dining room table. And um, I feel like we just got the perfect dining table for our house. So um, that was oh. fun this week. <laughs> oh, yay. Oh, that's ex- that's very exciting. A table is not uh, – table is like the most important piece of furniture, right? It is, yes. And we've had a couple, like, hodgepodge attempts, but this is like a real grown-up table, a full set with beautiful matching chairs and leaves and all of that. So it's just, oh, it's so beautiful. I'm, we're, I'm really grateful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Comfrey Conference. Comfrey Conference is moving along. We've actually set a date for the um, Comfrey Conference. And that is going to be May 9th through 13th. 
will be the event with everyone's videos up, you know, two to four a day for everyone to see for free. And then on the weekend, the 14th and 15th, all of them available to see and starting to get that scheduled and set up with the presenters who are also going to be doing a live question and answer session insofar as we can make it happen on the day of their thing or that weekend because, as we know, life is so complicated. And scheduling, ha, not easy. So that's when you need to be thinking ahead, all right, mark it on your calendar, the Comfrey Conference. You can just binge watch it all weekend long, da-da-da-da-da, one after the other, or you can come every day, no charge at all. As of the very following Monday, full moon, 16th of May, it will be a course for sale at the wisewomanschool.com. So come when it's free and also because there's going to be live question and answers. The presenters have agreed to spend half an hour with people live on Zoom answering any questions you have about their presentation or just anything that they didn't cover, maybe that you want them to. I'm really looking forward to that aspect. How about you, Sarah? Yes, there are some really interesting presentations, and I think the Zoom is just, oh, it's a great addition so that the whole community who's participating can make sure and, and really bring it to life that week. So I'm really excited. Me too. Do we have anybody with any questions tonight? We sure do. We've got two callers that have already raised their hand and um, lots of callers that have dialed in. I'll remind everyone this evening, if you have a question for Susan, please remember to press 1 and get yourself lined up in the queue. Uh, we have three callers that have raised their hands at this time, and our first caller is dialing in from the 907 area code. From the 907, you are live with Susan. Hey, Susan, how are you? I was really enjoying the sunshine today. How about you? <laughs> no sunshine, a lot of fog, a lot of snow, but I love it. Just like having sunshine. All right. Where are you? I'm in Alaska. Northern, middle, southern? Um, Kenai Peninsula, uh, south mm. of Anchorage, four hours. Yes. Lovely. I was just writing uh, some friends in Alaska, and... Uh, I said, oh, you know, there's nothing better than getting a letter from you because I just got one from them. I said, except maybe coming to visit you. Do you plan on coming up? Oh, I do, but I don't know when that will be. It's not like there's a, a specific plan. It's more like a, a, a longing to return to Alaska. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's up with you tonight? Well, I found some tinctures that I forgot about. Um, about three years old, they still have the material. The um, astragalus is one, and dandelion is the other. Are they still good? Yes. 
Yay, yay. It's like oh, I'm kicking myself. So here's what's going on. You had fresh plant material, mm-hmm. and you put it in alcohol. Actually, if you used vodka, it was a mix of alcohol and water. And that's a preservative. Right? You picture right. the mad, mad scientist labs, and there's all those jars with things floating around in them, eyeballs and so on, and they're all floating around in alcohol. Mm-hmm. So you're preserving the plants by putting them in alcohol. Now, if that tincture was in a very hot place, if it was in direct sunlight, if it has been um, opened and partly used so that, like, the liquid isn't covering the plant material, all of those things can cause oxidation, degradation, breakdown of things. But if they're just sitting in a darkish, coolish place undisturbed, they're fine. In fact, oh, perfect. In fact, I helped somebody who found a bunch of tinctures in the attic of the house she bought, and we learned that that house had been lived in way in the past by an apothecary. Oh, wow. The plant material wasn't still in them. But they were still reasonably useful. One of my first apprentices went on to have a career in a lab. And so to amuse herself, she would see what happened to herbal tinctures as they got older. And it's pretty much what we would expect, and that is some of the more volatile and less stable things do change, but the things that are not volatile and that remain stable hang out. So did she taste those? Which those? The, 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 the tinctures that she found. The old ones? Yes, yeah. we did. Yeah, absolutely. And was the alcohol still really strong? They were in grain alcohol, and they were in glass-on-glass bottles. Mm. Right? Like lab equipment, right? Mm-hmm. So they were bottles with fairly narrow necks and then a glass stopper in that. Because oh, just... When, you know, when I moved into the house where I lived in 1978, I, as a present to myself, sat down with every tincture that I had made at that point, and there were about a hundred, and I decanted them and put them into dropper bottles and labeled the dropper bottles and made this whole, you know, display so that I had every tincture that I had made available to me and I felt, oh, so accomplished and so wonderful. Well, of course, I nobody uses that many plants. And so some of them just sat there. And after many years, I picked one of them up and it was empty. And then I started picking others up, and they were 
all empty. And I realized that the alcohol evaporated out through the rubber dropper. Yeah. And in fact, it's better to keep it in the jar. That's what I do. It's not like something is coming out of those roots and going into the alcohol that that then turns around and leaves the alcohol and goes back in the root. can't do that. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah, the little jar, put it in, then, you know, I take the dropper, and when I need it, I do it that way. Open the jar, take the the tincture out with the dropper, and tighten up Mm -hmm. the jar again. If you're only doing that very occasionally, okay. But one of the reasons that we do make a dosage bottle is so that we open the big bottle the least. Oh. So if you're doing it like every day, it's better to make a dosage bottle. Okay. Okay. So that you don't keep exposing your tincture to the air and to disturbance. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense too. Yes. Yeah. Um, I had one other thing I wanted to say. Um, I talked to you a while back about my voice. We we're talking about it's time to speak out. This was, I don't know, maybe six months ago. Yes. <laughs> and I've always had a mouth, but I've just like been, been just like keeping it quiet and I, I've, I've decided yeah I'm going to start using my voice and so far so, so far I've been kicked out of a gallery <laughs> because you know and I, it's funny I was working in this gallery they asked me to do uh, hanging for them and I got into a little tiff with the, someone that was working there and I demanded respect well, of course, I wasn't hired. I was volunteering, okay? They took the side of the the employee, and I was told not to come back. <laughs> it's like, I wear that stuff like a badge, you know? It's like, I'm just not going to be abused by people anymore. I hear you, and and perhaps we don't want to call it abuse. Okay, it's okay. It's okay to say, yeah, because it's it's a word that's it carries such an emotional charge, Mm -hmm. and you know, to say that someone abuses or is an abuser is a very serious charge, and Mm -hmm, I I think it, it. that when we apply it to getting our feelings hurt, maybe we're maybe we're overdoing it a little bit. Right, and not to right. say that we should tolerate getting our feelings hurt. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying it's not really abuse. Right, they didn't hit you, call it's the not police abuse. and throw things. They're no. abuse. No. no. Okay, that no. hurt your feelings. They tried to hurt your feelings, but that's not abuse. And usually right, abuse right. has been repeated, Right. Right, poor choice. I'm, poor I'm, and I'm knocking you. It's kind of a hobby horse of mine that people say abuse when they mean my feelings were hurt. Yeah. 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 
and and that goes with the same thing, you know, with the with the dentist. I told you the whole thing, you know. I've been from, you know, dentist to dentist to dentist to dentist. It, you know, there's a certain way I want to be treated in a dentist office. I think I, th- I don't know if you remember, but uh, I think I may be leaving this <laughs> dentist. You know, when you go to a dentist, and every time there's some type of mistake. I'm just, I'm moving on. I think that's correct. I don't think anyone would argue with you that um, many people would have left at the first mistake. Yep. Yep. I gave them three times, three, um, what's the word I'm trying to use? Three chances. And uh, this is it, you know. Um, I had my teeth cleaned recently, and she hit my nerve. And I said to her, ah, is that going to, you know, that really hurt. Is that going to last? And she says to me, I hope not. <laughs> not very Are reassuring. You Are you kidding me so I'm going back to get the crown and then I'm moving on I mean, there's tons of dentists here so I'm just moving on I just I, I it's too much I used to love going to dentists you know getting my teeth cleaned and now I have a I've developed a fear have you tried rinsing your mouth with yarrow tincture before you go it's somewhat yes. of a numbing agent and might make it less likely for that kind of hit your nerve thing to happen. Oh, no, I didn't know that, but I've been using it, and she said my gums were ap- absolutely amazing. So I do, I use the tincture, but I didn't know it actually does, has a numbing effect. Thank you for that note. Yeah, yeah, a really strong numbing effect. In fact... During the Civil War in the United States, field amputations were done using yarrow as an analgesic. Mm. That's what they had. They so didn't I- have any. Uh, they didn't have anesthesia. They had. I mean, I, they could like take a shot of liquor and then they covered the area in yarrow, and away they went. It was a disinfectant. Yeah. Stopped bleeding and it stops pain. Hmm. I'm going to do that next time. Three months from now, I will use that as mm-hmm. to protect my. Uh, so, okay, Susan. Thank you very much. You are welcome. Thanks for sharing with us. Green blessings. Okay. Good Green night. blessings. Bye. All right, and there are four callers lined up in the queue with questions. Our next caller is dialed in from the 603 area code. From the 603, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi, uh, this is Robin. Um, I am a new, relatively new listener um, and fan of yours, and First off, I just wanted to say thank you 
so much um, to you and to Sarah Ellen and to everyone who um, makes this show possible. It's incredible how much information um, you're able to disperse and how much love you're able to disperse. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Um, you're yeah, welcome. So I am calling tonight um, hoping to talk to you a little bit about menstruation. Um, so I'm 25 and I was on artificial hormonal birth control for um, about seven years and came off of it two years ago and still haven't gotten my period back um, and have been trying um, a few different things. I've I took Vitex um, for about three months and didn't have a very great reaction to it um, and didn't have any changes or signs of menstruation returning or whatnot um, and have been eating a lot more than um, than I was before. I've been eating a lot more meat and cheese and um, and eggs <laughs> and everything actually um, for about like about a year now um, and I still am not seeing any signs of my period returning. So I guess I was just hoping to chat with you a little bit about that. I don't know what questions you have, but. So tell me a little more specifically when you said um, hormonal birth control, that could be anything from a loop to um, an implant to birth control pills. Yeah, so I um, kind of hopped around, I guess. I was on, I started on the birth control pill, um, on a pill when I was 15. And then after a couple of years, I tried the new one. I want to interrupt, I'm going to interrupt yeah, for yeah. a moment. So you started taking Absolutely. birth control pills at 15 for a particular reason? Yes, I was sexually active at that point. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just mostly just preventing um, conception. But, yeah, I then switched a couple years later to the NuvaRing and then back to the pill. And then I had the implant. And then I was back on the pill. And then I had the implant again um, for the last year. Was that because you weren't quite sure what was the best fit for you? Yes. I didn't have, um, yeah, I had bad reactions to pretty much all of them or reactions that didn't make me feel good at least. Um, I had a lot of, like, emotional um, depressive symptoms with uh, most of the pills um, I had vaginal pain with the NuvaRing, and then with the implant, I just stopped menstruating altogether, which I didn't like at all. Um, and you yeah, had not, always, you had, you had never been menstruating during any of that time. I was, well, I was menstruating um, when I was on the pill, but um, no, you were not. 
Oh, oh, I know, I know, I know. You cannot <laughs> menstruate when yeah, you're on this because you do not through. ovulate. It's not, it's not me menstruating, for sure. It's for not sure. menstruating. It's breakthrough bleeding. And bleeding. It's not, yeah. You were bleeding, but you weren't <laughs> menstruating. Yeah, absolutely. You, totally. you never... So one of the things, one of the problems here is that your body never really learned how to do that. I know, yeah. yeah. So what some places that I've been to is they have a ceremony where women go back to the gateway of menarche, to the gateway into menstruation. And mm-hmm. that you reclaim that in a different way. It's mm-hmm. almost like time travel. And you go back to that young woman you were and share with her, support mm-hmm. her as she comes into menstruation and she teaches you how to do that. Mm-hmm. What's okay? What's the purpose of menstruation? Um, to shed the uterine lining that's built up um, after ovulation, correct? Correct. And why did that build up? Um, to support a baby. Correct. And you're thinking of getting pregnant? Not currently, but not out of the question in the future and I just know that my body is supposed to be doing this like I just want it to be a part of my life I sort of just feel like it's something that's like something that's missing and that I don't understand um and I just want yes, to like, I understand even if I, I don't want to really understand your feeling that it's missing um, yeah but you live in a kind of strange culture where women menstruate over and over again. Yeah. And that's, that's actually not really a normal thing to do. That's so interesting, too. Mm-hmm. Right. In most cultures, women are pregnant and so not menstruating or lactating and so not menstruating. Yeah. And especially if their nutritional status is low. Now, you alluded to a possibility that you had a poor nutritional status for some of the time when you were on hormonal birth control. Yes, for sure. I have struggled with disordered eating and not eating enough and exercising too much. Um, Yeah, for years, it definitely... I'm I'm in a much better place than I was for, um, yeah, it was a long period of time, though, when I was on the birth control that I was definitely undernourished, I would say. My body was. You're drinking your nourishing herbal infusions now. So I actually, that was one of the questions that I had for you is um, I – I've been waiting until this week's paycheck to order them. Um, and I wanted to ask you um, if there were any, like, if I should be drinking, like, more of any specific one that you would recommend or less of um, less of one 
I don't know if there's any like amount of of them that I should um, order specifically like to support my body in in this way how it is right now. Um, a good initial a good initial order is a pound of singing nettle, mm-hmm. which will recharge your adrenals mm-hmm. and help your body to start to conceive of conception. Yes. A pound of oat straw, mm-hmm. which I think of as a hormonal smoother. It makes all the hormonal communication in the body better. Awesome. A yeah. pound of red clover. And um, that was my other question on the red clover. So I didn't mean to interrupt you, but um, blossoms or the whole aerial parts? The of blossoms. Red clover. The blossoms. Absolutely okay. the blossoms, yeah. Okay, great. And red clover is one of the great pressures to the nervous system and to, again, mm-hmm. our ability to be whole and entire. A pound yeah. of a pound of comfrey leaf, which is symphytum, which means symphony to bring together. Mm-hmm which makes us more flexible as well as stronger. Yes. And a pound of linden, linden flowers. Great. All right, you got and, it. Great. And then generally a quart of infusion a day is a good amount. Mm-hmm. Especially if you cut down or eliminate any water drinking. Okay. So let your fluids be the nourishing herbal infusions. Great. I love that. And if you want a cup of green tea or a cup of or a cup of hot chocolate or a cup of coffee, those are all herbs too. Mm-hmm. And they're ab- absolutely allowed. Okay. Great. Chocolate, awesome. of course, especially, is seen as increasing fertility. Chocolate is. Mm-hmm. And so. Did you say? Oh, wow. Okay. I've been, yeah. It's been what I'd like, what I would like you <laughs> to focus more mm-hmm. on is what you want is to be fertile. Definitely Not to menstruate because you tell yeah. your body, I want to menstruate. That kind of says, oh, I wasn't fertile. I blew it. Yeah. Right. Right. Which is okay. <laughs> Isn't, you know, I'm yeah. not like value judgment on that. That's just perfectly okay. fine. But okay. what do we really want? What are we calling forth here? Yeah. Yeah. We want to take, you know, a step back into the center of that period to the ovulation. So I think yeah. you were right on with the Vitex. What form did you take it in and how much did you take? I took it, you aren't going to like this, but the first time that um, I took it, I was taking it in a pill form. Um, and. I think I took the pill form, like, oh, I don't remember the exact dosage. Actually, I like it a lot because guess what? It didn't you work. Do. okay. Oh. I like it that you did that, and it didn't work. That's my yeah. point. That's why I tell people not to use herbs in pill form because you spend a lot of money and you get nothing. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It didn't work. <laughs> well, I was hoping no. you'd taken it in pill form when you said it didn't work. Um. 
I think I was taking. And then, was, and then was there a second time that you took it, and how did you take it then? Yes, I took it as a tincture as well okay. for, I think, um, and about how much like of the tincture did you half, Two months. Um, I think I was taking a dropper full mm-hmm. first thing in the morning. Yes. Mm-hmm. You need to take mm-hmm. three dropper fulls four times a day. Okay. So while you're making that herb order, get yourself some Vitex berries. Get yourself a pound of Vitex berries. They're not that expensive. And set up your first quart of Vitex tincture, right? Fill your jar about a third full with the dried Vitex berries. Pour however much of a liter of vodka will fit into that quart jar. Okay. Shake it up daily because the little berries are just going to kind of swell up unevenly yeah. from the liquid and will get kind of stuck in the bottom. So give it a little shake every day. Right? You can start mm-hmm. using it at six weeks. What I suggest okay. is at that six-week mark, put up another quart of it. The okay. older the tincture is, because it's made from the dried Vitex berries, the better results you get with it. Okay, yeah. So you've bought a pound, mm-hmm. just stagger it out, right? Mm-hmm, like sure. Every couple of months, put up another quart of it. And that way, that way you'll have it right, really well aged. You can start using it at six weeks. It's, it will work, especially in sufficient mm-hmm. quantity mm-hmm. to increase fertility. Awesome. Okay. All right. All right. Now. Lovely. Yes. I'm hoping you'll give us a call back in a few months and let us know what's happening. Okay. I I will. Thank <laughs> For sure. You. I'll All give right. you an update. Great. Thank you, Susan, so much. I appreciate it. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. And there are three callers that have pressed one to signal that they have a question. Our next caller is dialed in from the 413 area code. From the 413, you are live with Susan. Hello? Hi. Hey, what's up? Okay, I'm not sure. From the 413, you are live with Susan. Oh, wait. I heard a hello again. Hi. (laughs) Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. you. Okay, good. Okay, sorry about that. Uh Hello? All right, we're good. Good, go ahead. Okay. Um, That was a great start lead into my question because... um, this is a lot about menstruation too. Um, and I'm also a um, new listener, so I'm not sure if you've already gone over this before. But um, I am dealing with migraines during menstruation and ovulation. And um, let's see. I am 26. Um, Three years ago, 
I had my first child, and um, that pregnancy, when um, at the end of that pregnancy, I developed um, coleostasis, where you get like itchy palms and itchy palms of your feet, and um, basically the flow of bile is blocked in the liver. Um, the liver kind of shuts down a little bit. And um, so, yeah, I ended up being induced in that pregnancy, even though that was not not my plan, but clued me into possibly something going on with my liver. Um, and I've been, um, I feel like an increasing amount of women I know have been dealing with this. And my understanding of it currently is that um, because of, like, plastics in the environment creating phytoestrogens, some people call them, um, in our bodies. Phyto means from est- plants. These are xenoestrogens. Oh, really? Phyto means from plants. Phyto, right? Uh-huh. It's a okay. prefix that means plants. So these are xenoestrogens that you're talking about which means chemicals are from outside. Okay, okay, cool. Thank you. Um, It's my duty to protect the plants. Good reputation. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, definitely. (laughs) I am not a very bookish type. And in fact, plant estrogens counter, phytoestrogens counter the bad effects of xenoestrogens. Okay. So it is pretty important to know the difference since one can make you healthier and the other one can make you unhealthier. Okay. All right. So I guess, so, like, my understanding Yeah, I mean, there's just a huge amount of microplastics, not just, not just the chemicals, but also the actual plastic itself in microparticles. It's said yeah. that we're each consuming about credit card's worth of microplastic every year. That's horrifying. Isn't it? Um, yeah. And I and, so and the number goes up hugely for bottle fed babies. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So my understanding is that when we have like a estrogen spike, our natural estrogen spike within our like cycle during, for me, like it happens in ovulation too, like a, like, toxicity reaction will happen because my liver can't process all of those, all that, what it may be thinking is estrogen, but all of that toxicity as well. And then I get, like, a, like a not really the, bad that's headache. Not what's going, that's not what's going on at all. No? Okay. Cool. Uh-uh. No. Thank you. <laughs> that's, yeah, that, there's some elements of truth in there. But there are two basic types of chemicals, water-soluble chemicals and oil-soluble chemicals. Any water-soluble chemical that you ingest is pissed out. For instance, there are water-soluble chemicals in food as well as water-soluble contaminants. So asparagus has a water-soluble chemical that you can smell in your pee. And it usually happens within the hour. We're pretty quick to pee out any water-soluble chemicals. They can become 
problematic in the environment because often they're very protein-rich and cause the growth of plants to the detriment of the animal life in the water. The other mm-hmm. kind of pollutant, and most xenoestrogens are oil-soluble, fat-soluble. Think petroleum, right? Yeah. So fat-soluble chemicals are too large to ever leave the body that they enter. Yeah. Your liver doesn't even try to process them. Your liver is far smarter than that. Basically, when things in the blood come through the liver, and the liver is a flow-through organ, every drop of blood in your body goes through your liver every hour. And the liver says, mm, I like you, you can stay. And the liver says, I don't like you, go to the kidneys, get your staff. Or the liver says, oh, you are so complicated, come back, we'll talk about it. And those things mm-hmm. are what's called second pass detoxification. So these are those kind of chemicals that we're talking about, those oil-soluble chemicals. These are hormones. These are all second pass. So they Mm -hmm. do circulate in your blood for a longer amount of time, but not because there's a problem with your liver. That's how it operates. Right, right. Right, it says, yeah, well, you know, let me get to this. The milk thistle and things like hypericum, St. Jones word, increase that second pass detoxification cycle. They, they help okay. the liver do that, which is why people are told not to take hypericum um, if they're taking certain drugs because it can help the liver mm-hmm. get rid of the drugs from the bloodstream too quickly, like birth control pills. Mm-hmm. All right, so hypericum really helps the body move more hormones helps in that uh-huh. second pass second detoxification now hormones can be taken apart and that's what the liver does to them and that's what we mean by detoxification that the hormones are literally taken apart like tinker toys so they can be used to make more hormones but the okay but the, but the oil Fat-soluble chemicals can't be taken apart. They're linked. They're in chains. They're hydrocarbon chains. So what the body does is it stores them in the fat. And this is why being overweight is a cancer risk because you are literally carrying around more of these chemicals. Does that mean that if you lose weight, you will lose them? No, let me say again. Once you have ingested and taken these in, there is no escape. All right, well, of course, there can't be no escape. There are some escapes. One, these fat-soluble and hormone-like chemicals can be released during ovulation and ejaculation. They are in breast milk, and they are in human tears. They are not in sweat. Mm. Or pee or poo. What? They're not in sweat or pee or poo. 
Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So you can cry them out, but a colonic won't get them out. Mm-hmm. Above the Arctic Circle, women can no longer breastfeed their babies because the DD that we sprayed here in North America 70 years ago is now in their breast milk. Mm. And it got there because that DDT was ingested by some body, which was ingested by another body until it got into the body of a seal or a whale or some other animal that they eat. And, of course, it's stored in the fat. And the people above the Arctic Circle eat a lot of fat. So their breast milk now mm. is impossible to be used as nourishment. so sad. Enough to make you cry. Good. That's a good way to get some of those out. Yeah. So if you're concerned about it, get some sad movies. <laughs> cool. Um, what I. But it's not. I've been taking some herbs. Not that, causing. That, but it's not causing your migraines. We right. don't know there actually causes migraines, really but we help. know that there's a blood vessel involvement. So right. let me ask you what you're doing to help your blood vessels. Uh, I have no idea. Okay. Hawthorne is a good blood vessel. blood vessel. Yeah. What's, mm-hmm. As the migraine comes on, the nerves and the hormones and the blood vessels start to have a bit of an argument. Mm-hmm. And that argument makes like, can make like little bright light pulses. Mm-hmm. And it can make, like, digestive upsets. And it can make odd pains here and there. And then eventually it results in a migraine. Mm-hmm. So really stabilizing the blood vessels is very helpful. Also, some women have told me that if they take a dropper full of hypericum tincture, and depending on the tincture that they have of skullcap, five to 15 drops of skullcap tincture, when they're thinking about, thinking about a migraine? Yeah. That it seems to prevent it. Okay. Thank you. Um, so I am pregnant again, which means, like, I haven't been getting migraines in the way that I was before. Um, I because they were tied to, to your cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a pregnant really... woman, you know that you are more hormone-rich than you were before, and yet you're not having migraines. Yeah. So the migraines are not a result of hormones. Yeah, I thought that, I thought that um, my liver was just worn out. I'm having to do so much. No, your liver can't be worn out. It's and, replaced every 30 days. No. You get a brand new liver every month. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Your body wouldn't do that. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, the body does its absolute best not to wear out. It has all kinds of replacement strategies, right? Uh-huh. And I'm sure you've heard that you're completely repl- your whole body is replaced every seven years. You've heard that, right? Yes. Yeah. There you go. 
In fact, <laughs> the same harder something works, the more quickly it is replaced, right? Red blood cells are replaced, bam, 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 really fast. Liver is replaced every 30 days. Kidneys are replaced every six weeks. The lining of your yeah, digestive yeah. system is replaced every 24 hours. <laughs> okay, then. Thank you so much. You are welcome. I also offer you the advice that I have heard from other women who've dealt with migraines, which is sometimes the migraine is there to tell you that you are overdoing it. Mm -hmm. So one way to have fewer migraines is to be more active in underdoing it. (laughs) (laughs) That is a very sweet way of putting it. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Green blessings. Um, Good night. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get you off. Can I? Oh, no worries. Good night. Can I ask you one more side thing? Absolutely. (laughs) So... Can I tell you the things that I was taking for when that, like, in my idea of needing to support my liver? Um, sure. And they would help. They didn't. Sometimes they would get it completely away, and sometimes there wouldn't be any effect unless I used a lot of them. And I, but I don't know if I should use <laughs> should do this while pregnant or not if they come up. Or I will obviously try all these things you said, including slowing down. Thank you. Um, The things I was doing was dandelion. um, Safe for pregnancy. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, Milk thistle. Um, I would eat a lot of seaweed. Um, Safe. Safe. Both good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Castor oil packs, like a hot water bottle on castor oil on my liver. Um, not not like, safe during pregnancy. Not safe. Okay. Absolutely not. Why? Because castor oil can be an abortifacient. Okay. All and right. Because, Thank you. And because if your liver is responding, it's responding to the heat. Okay, so maybe just the heat. Just the heat. All right. Um, yeah. Um, thinking there was a couple. I just need to look. I'm forgetting which ones. <laughs> just silly, but. Burdock? Yellow dot? Uh, yeah. Um, some artichoke Yellow dock is often recommended for pregnant women. It helps to keep you regular and it helps build the iron in the blood. So yellow dock is is considered one of the ideal roots for pregnant women because of the ability to build iron, the ability to keep them regular, the ability to help the liver. 
a very okay. wonderful ally. And, of course, burdock is also very safe during pregnancy. In fact, it's used as a food stuff. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Tonight. All right, and there are four callers with their hands raised. Our next caller is dialed in from the 970 area code. From the 970, you are live with Susan. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hi, Susan. This is Caitlin from Colorado. Hey, Caitlin. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Oh, it's a beautiful day here today. Yes, it was beautiful here, too. <laughs> um, okay, so my question my question is, is kind of more of a philosophical question. I've been reading uh, Who Dies by Stephen Levine. Isn't that magnificent? Yes, yes. Oh. <laughs> it's so amazing. And the um, meditations so it, on pain are stunning. Mm, well, I came, okay, so this is, that's, exactly where I want to go. So thank you. So um, I got to the self-forgiveness meditation, which I found really beautiful. And then it, it kind of spurred my thinking. And I started thinking about the, um, you know, your, what you talk about, the no blame, no shame, no guilt. And then um, I wondered how, how does forgiveness fit in with that and does it? And, I, and then I thought I would ask you. So what do you think? What do you mean by forgiveness? What do I mean by forgiveness? I think that I mean, I don't know. That's a good question. I was reading a Father Brown story by G.K. Chesterton, and it pivoted around this recluse. And people who had known the recluse when he was younger who were really like, pushing at him. He was a recluse because he had had a duel with his brother. It wasn't actually a brother, it was a cousin, but they were raised together and they were closer than brothers. Mm-hmm. And they thought about a woman that they both wanted. And one of them was killed and the other one fled the country and was gone for a long time and then came back and became a hermit. And these people were pushing the one, that one to talk to them. To they, And they said, you know, we are Christian. We forgive you. We forgive you for killing that one. And Father Brown, of course, was there and said, well, don't, don't be so quick to forgive. You know, mm-hmm. really? Are you sure that this is a Christian forgiveness, that you're really forgiving him? Oh, yes, 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 yes. And then he, like, reveals that he's actually not the one they thought was still alive. Mm. They thought it was the other way around. And they realized, in fact, he admitted that what he had done was he pretended to be dead until, Mm. because he was a bad shot, until the other one came over. He fell down before the other one fired a shot. But he didn't know it. Like, he waited until, you know, just that second fell down. The other one came over, and he shot him at point blank range. And they said, well, we would never forgive you. 
And Father Brown said, really, what of your Christian charity? (laughs) So what do we mean by forgiveness? Father Brown said, you only forgive what you find forgivable. I forgive mm-hmm. what I find unforgivable. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so what what is this thing that we are talking about? This forgiveness yeah. is is it an inner state? that we experience? Is it something we are putting out toward others? Do we Mm -hmm. give ourselves a pat on the back for being forgiving? Are we actually Mm -hmm. forgiving? I remember being with Patch Adams and he was doing um, clown shaman therapy with a woman who was laying there telling us, and this person did this terrible, awful, miserable, da-da-da-da thing, and she tells us in great detail, she says, but I forgive him. (laughs) What do you think about that? That's not forgiveness, is it? No. Hmm. The truth of the matter is that where every single one of us lives, our entire lives, is in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so it's wise to choose very carefully what you're living with. Mm -hmm. There's only so much space. I guess some people, we might say, are hoarders of bad experiences. It doesn't, it's not required. I think that's what the, what the people who are talking about forgiveness are getting at, is are you willing to drop it? Mm. Are you actually willing to drop it? Because mm-hmm. what most people pass off as forgiveness is just another way of holding on to it. Yes. At many of the rituals that I have led, I have encouraged women to put things into a nest where they can gestate and be incubated and to throw things into a well where they can go back into the churning hot heart of the earth and come back up again as Mm. food, beauty, and medicine. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we're contaminating the planet if we forget a wrong that someone has done. Mm -hmm. It can really go into the compost pile and become nourishment, become beauty, Mm -hmm. become a butterfly garden. (laughs) I know personally, you know, there are certain things that have happened to me in my life that I will never forgive. 
I'm just not going to. It's not going to happen. Hmm. And so long as I don't stick my tongue in them like in a sore tooth, it's okay. Hmm. Wow. (laughs) I have even more to think about now, which is going to be so fun. So thank you. (laughs) All right. Thank you. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much. Good blessings. Good night. Yeah. Okay. Bye. All right. It looks like we've got about 16 minutes before our guest joins us, and we have four callers on the line. Say, oh, we still have callers. four callers, right? I've been, uh, I've been talking to the fourth caller over and over and over again here tonight. <laughs> oh, we okay. have on the line, and our next caller is dialed in from the 919 area code. From the 919, you are live with Susan. Hello. Hi. What's up today? Hi. Hi. Um, I'll dive right into it because we're short on time. So um, my father is going in for a pre-major dental surgery pretty soon. Um, he's having a bunch of, like, teeth drilled into his mouth, basically, like new teeth. Um, and I just wanted to provide him with some um, aftercare uh, procedures, I guess, herbal um, I was thinking of giving him some yarrow and telling him to gargle with uh, that in a water mixture. And I'm wondering if you have anything else you would suggest. I think that's a really good idea. If it was me, I would probably also be taking some echinacea tincture. Okay. Because I would want to be sure my body was supplied with what it needed to ward off infection. Okay. And I would probably have some painkillers on hand, cannabis tincture, California poppy tincture, skullcap tincture, that kind of thing. Okay. Got it. Thank you. And on the topic of tinctures, I've heard you say that um, you can't really make tinctures with dried plant matter. Is that true for all plants? I didn't didn't say you can't. I didn't have okay. never said you can't. I wouldn't say you can't. That's like saying stand on your hands. Of course you can stand on your hands. That's not really comfortable. Yeah. It's not, you're not going to, like, get as far down the block as if you stand on your feet. You can make a tincture yeah. from dried material. In fact, the more dried and powdered the plant material is and the higher the proof of your menstruum, of your alcohol, the more drug-like your tincture will be, which is why I prefer to use... 100 proof vodka and fresh plant material because I don't want the strongest possible medicine. I'm a woman. I like, mm, you know, soft things. I like encompassing. Right? I like the whole group playing together. So when I use dried things, I use dried seeds or berries which actually change Mm -hmm. very little in the drying process. Although, wow, the difference between fresh elderberries and dry elderberries, woo! I use dried roots. And again, there's a big difference between dried burdock root and fresh burdock root. 
but I don't use dried flowers generally, although I know some people do use dried calendula, and some people even pick it fresh and dry it before they use it. Okay. So, again, it's kind of like saying, how do you cook mushrooms? And there's so many different kinds of mushrooms that you could make a general stab at it, but you're sure to find some mushroom that would be ruined by that general stab. So mm-hmm. uh, one, of the, one of the things that we find that we really get to enjoy in herbal medicine is learning about the plants one by one. Okay. Learning about their idiosyncrasies and what's the very best thing for them. And because you can't really do it wrong, it's really okay to experiment. Okay. And then you'll say, you know that tincture I made with dried burdock root? It was nothing compared to the one I made the next year from the fresh. And then yeah. you'll have that experience, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I talk about, I talk about the time you, my daughter me. and I bought burdock at this local health food store. We dug a burdock root from near the garden in the compost pile, and we dug a burdock from the side of the road and made tincture and vinegar with each of those three things so that we could compare them and see how they were different. Mm. <laughs> okay. I think I'll do right. that. Great. Thank you. Thanks for your question. Bye. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. All right, and there are two callers with raised hands. The next caller is dialed in from the 917 area code. From the 917, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. What's up tonight? Um, so, uh, <laughs> my name is Sage, and um, I would say, like, after well, I'm, I've been off of it now for, like, three or four months, but after a six-month cycle of a really strong antibiotic, um, I have been experiencing like, painful bloating and like, sudden weight gain. Um, in connection to this, uh, my mental health has really taken a hit, and I find myself often disassociating um, and very tired. Um, I really just want to be like vibrant and energetic, as I'm sure those goals <laughs> most verbal to like. But I am constantly lethargic. Um, so, like, what can I do to support my body in healing? First, can you tell me why you took, why you needed to take antibiotics for six months? Uh, it was Accutane, so the treatment. Um, yeah, it spans for six months, um, and I honestly, during the time, I was experiencing really bad side effects, but I was really scared to get off of it because once you get off of it, you can't go on it again for a while, um, potentially ever, because it doesn't work as well, um, and I was terrified of my acne coming back. Did it get rid of it? Yeah, completely. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right, so you got that goal. Now we just have to get your gut back together again. Exactly. All right. So one of the things that I really love to help establish really strong gut is slippery elm. Slippery elm is slippery. Mm-hmm. You can buy, like, slippery elm bark cut up. 
and then you like boil it up and it really makes like slime and so I don't like that so I buy the powder I get the bark powdered and then I pour honey into the powder a little bit at a time mixing it until it gets like kind of pie dough okay and then I form that into balls and roll it in some more slippery gum so they don't stick to each other. And have you ever made pie dough? Yes. So it's like putting the water in, right? You don't want to, like, just dump the water in. You really, and toward the end, you're, like, putting it in drop by drop, right? Mm-hmm. It's too much. It's like, eh. So same thing with the honey. And then you put one of those slippery elm balls into your cheek and just let it dissolve. It might take five or ten or even 15 minutes for it to dissolve, depending on how big you've made them. And that's going to coat and soothe the intestines and start to create a basis for the good bacteria that we want in the gut. Now, the good bacteria that we want in the gut are difficult to add because they live in the large intestine. And that means that we would have to get them all the way through the small intestine. It's just not going to happen. But luckily enough, there's a whole class of things called prebiotics, which get all the way into the large intestine and which the good gut flora use as food. The short way to talk about these is fiber. All fiber contains these prebiotics. In fact, by its very nature, fiber can be more or less digestible, and the more indigestible it is, the more of it gets to the large intestine, and the better the bacterial growth. Oh, wow. So things like the inulin in burdock root, like the bran in whole grain breads, like the bran in oatmeal, the beans. Take a you know take a you know little tour around uh, some internet site that talks about fiber and find out which foods are really high in fiber. And do not jump in really fast. Choose one or two of those foods and introduce them at first by the spoonful. Nuts are rich in fiber, so so are beans. Nuts are probably going to be a little easier for you than beans, but I don't know. Right? If you have a reaction to anything, set it aside for the moment. There's plenty of foods that are rich in fiber. Keep working until you can find foods that you tolerate and do well with that are rich in fiber. So what we're doing is like we're creating a new colony in your gut, right? Mm -hmm. So we've laid down a good base with the slippery elm, which you can use over and over again. It's fine to use it. On a daily basis, several times a day, it's nutritive, it's bland, it's not going to cause any harm, you can't overdo it. And then we're going to start adding the fiber for that 
for those prebiotics. The probiotics like kefir and yogurt and kombucha and sauerkraut and all those things you know about mm-hmm. can be useful. They affect more what's happening in the small intestine, and so they affect more the digestibility of your food. And again, especially given what's going on with you, you need to use those things in small amounts. Okay. And a variety of them. So a tablespoon of yogurt at a time, right? A quarter of a cup of kefir at a time. Just a little bit, but throughout the day. Okay. Are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions right now? I am not. I think that you would find them very beneficial. Yes, definitely. Um, I have the ones that you mentioned earlier in the podcast, the Magic Five. The Magic Five. And, you know, (laughs) we're having a Comfrey conference, and so I want to mention that Comfrey is a wonderful ally for people with this kind of distress, especially the Comfrey Leaf Infusion that I work with, Hot with Honey. If you like milky vegetables, milky drinks, it's always fine to add some milk to any infusion. Comfrey with some milk and honey, very lovely. My milk scientist friends say, don't bother drinking milk unless it's full fat. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) And, And of course, my... Animal loving friends say, and please buy organic and pasture raised. <laughs> yeah, I, I was on the oat milk and almond milk trend for a while, but um, I've come back. <laughs> so. Okay. Well, thank you for calling and green blessings. Thanks, Susan. Bye. Bye bye. Sarah Ellen, thank you for all of the beautiful presents that you sent me. I think Michael has figured out how to put up the hummingbird feeder. I was trying to make it so that it was upright, and he said, no, it's supposed to be sticking out like a nose or a finger. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, but neither one of us can figure out what these colored tubes are. (laughs) There's a green tube and a purple tube and a yellow tube. They're just for fun. They just stretch just, and yeah. They stretch, okay. They stretch. All right. If if I stretch yep. them, can I smoosh them back again, or is it one yep. stretched? Yep. Oh, I can smoosh it back. All right. I've yep. got them stuck together in a ring, which looks rather mm-hmm. like a horseshoe, <laughs> because they do, they do flange together. So what fun! Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, enjoy. Happy birthday. <laughs> okay, I shall. Definitely. I have to find some, uh, something to toss it at. And uh, 
What do we have? Do we have a few moments for our last caller? Or did the last caller disappear? Um, the last caller has disappeared. Is yeah. Tanya Oceana already with us? If so, we can go right to her. She is. She is in the queue waiting. Tanya Oceana is a community herbalist who lives in Portland, Oregon. She reached a dead end with her allopathic medicine, and she felt like there's got to be more. So she started a journey into holistic health about 12 years ago. After she started to feel better, she was hooked. And she started reading all the books she could find, got to know her local flora, enrolled in a local herbal school, and worked in an apothecary for six years. Way to go, Tanya. Tanya's offerings now include herb walks and online consultations. Welcome to the show, Tanya. Hi there. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It is great to be here. Um, I'm glad to be able to talk to you. I do consider you, you know, uh, one of the mothers of modern American herbalism. So it's um, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Tanya. How wonderful. I was just saying, you know, what a beautiful path that you did going from your personal to looking at the local flora to enrolling in the school and then working in an apothecary. I often tell my students that the very best place to learn about herbal medicine is in a place like that, a health food store, apothecary, a place where people bring you their problems and you get so much follow-up. That's true. It's true. People really like to come back, tell me what worked, tell me what didn't work. So it actually gave me a ton of information. Really? So much. It was certainly so valuable for me. You know, back in the early 70s to have the opportunity to, you know, work in stores and to have that that feedback from people about what I was reading in books, some of which really worked and some of which hardly worked. Oh, yeah. There's so much information. It's um, It is. I really love the one-on-one, especially now since... I do so much work on computers, and I'm, I'm actually looking to get back into, you know, just having actual real one-on-one interactions with people and with the herbs, of course. Be able to actually look into their eyes, eh? Yeah. Yes, I'm missing um, that, too. I really I am, know. and I think it's a, something very special that goes along with that. As a matter of fact, um, the um, – oh, where is my Ted Kapchuk, the author of The Web That Has No Weaver, who brought acupuncture to America and set up the Boston School of Acupuncture, um, walked away from acupuncture and said, it's a really good placebo, but it's a placebo, and proceeded to create the Center for Placebo Studies at Harvard, in which he showed that a lot of what we think of as healing has to do with exactly what you're talking about. Looking at the person, being in the presence of the person, light touches of the person, right? Things we can do our best to convey through our yep. computer. But, you know, it's not, it's not the real stuff. Yeah, and, of course, there's so much, you know, emotional um, 
connection in health issues. So I think even just being there, talking to someone, having them listen um, is probably part of what helps. Mm. I was very taken by your statement that you connect your herbalism to your own female nature, and it seems pretty clear to you why it is that the field of herbalism is at this point about 95% women. That's a, a huge amount. That, would you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I just have um, been noticing, well, you know, in my own life and then looking back at the um, more recent history um, and then even just long-term, you know, where did herbalism come from? Where did, you know, it was tied in with, midwifery, um, medicine women, witches, and all that. And then even today when I look around, um, you know, it's 95% women in the, you know, that are herbalists, um, which I find it very interesting <laughs> that, you know, you tend to see at least 50% of the teachers and, and authors are men, which is, um, you know, neither here nor there. But, um, yeah, I'm actually – this last year I've kind of decided I want to not only go back to one-on-one, but I also, um, I'm just going to do a shout out to anyone in the Portland, Oregon area. I am really wanting to get back into like circle with women. Um, so yeah, if anyone is interested in that in the Portland, Oregon area, let me know. Um, I'm really missing that. I'm sure that you have a ton of experience in that department. So, um, Tanya, there's someone yeah, in the tips? background where you are who's making a loud clanging, which make, is making it hard for us to hear you. That's weird. I hear that, but I didn't. That might be my keys, but I don't know if that was me. But I'll. Yeah, I'm kind of just by myself. Um, but, anyways, okay. um, yeah. So, so you, do you have any tips about gathering women into circle? I think I'm hearing my. I'm like hearing myself. Um, like a reverberation. Um, we're not getting that, and that clanging is gone now. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> um, did you hear yeah. what I said, or should I repeat yeah. some of it? Ab- no, absolutely. So and part of that is being in circle, is bringing women into a circle, I remember. I don't know if she's actually done it, because I haven't talked to her in a while. But Aviva Ram was thinking of, rather than like have a meeting with this woman who has endometriosis and this woman who has endometriosis and this woman to bring them into a circle and to work mm, with yeah. all and to have them work with each other and help each other and support each other. And I, said, I love I that. Brilliant. It's interesting because, again, I've noticed, you know, even though herbalism – People, or people interested in herbalism generally, you know, again, are 95% women, um, it still kind of has the same vibe as kind of the rest of society, you know what I mean? We're not talking about, hey, you know, so many of us are having fertility issues or uh, menstrual issues, um, pregnancy questions, you know, all these types of things. So anyways, I think it's an interesting area to kind of get back into, in my opinion, or at least in my personal life. But I love that, yeah, getting people together because, you know, you can see patterns so much easier. Um, people can bounce ideas off of each other. And the sense that someone else knows what's going on is not immediately with you, at least immediately with them, and that's good enough sometimes. 
that that, that there's can be that that sharing. So oh yeah. Yes, so you haven't been able to do that because of COVID restrictions, but you're just thinking that you can open that up and start to do that again. Yeah, I, um, you know, I would love to get off the computer more and actually get it into the real world and talk to people one-on-one. Um, yeah, because I'm sure a lot of herbalists can relate. You know, you get into a subject, you start learning a lot on the computer, you start writing a lot of information on the computer, um, telling people things on the computer and um even i've noticed i have the urge to harvest things and then i realize you know i don't actually need this i can harvest it but i actually don't need it so i've started to kind of just appreciate the plants that i find around me rather than try to harvest everything though i do have a heather plant in my front yard um that i'm really curious about (laughs) (laughs) you could also make very small amounts of things that's true it's okay to I usually indulge that. in that urge of, ooh, I want some of this, ooh, I want some of that. But, but you don't have to make a whole bunch of it. Yeah, um, and um, yeah. I, I would like to encourage other people to like, oh. Yeah, Frontier is selling, I think they're like one or two ounce jars, they're really nice little uh, lidded jars that are great for little herbal experiments. Or I just want a little of that, whatever it is. Yeah. And who knows? Some of those things that I started out just making a little of turn out to be fast friends, and then I start making more of it. Oh, the herbs? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Do you have a special ally that you like working with? And what is it? Ooh, that's oh, – how can I pick just one? <laughs> but um, I have been seeing nettle pop up everywhere, and I do know that I run on the anemic side, so I think that that's something I should be incorporating in. I actually just grabbed a little – little nettle uh, the other day and put it in some soup. Um, that one seems to want to work with me. <laughs> and again, I, I don't never want to over harvest, even though in my area, I've noticed it kind of year round. It's really abundant. So I just probably should be working with that one more. Are you drinking nettle infusion? Oh, of course. How could I talk to you? <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> no, no, I'm actually not doing it as much as I should. Uh, and um, as the nettle is coming up this spring, think about making nettle pesto. Yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah, I think I think that that would be um, a wonderful thing. But you know, more that I was asking was not what your favorite herb is, but do you have any particular plant that like drew you in? Like you said, you got fed up with uh, medicine as it was being practiced and you got better and then you began reading a lot of things. And sometimes there's a particular plant that really like says, come here, aren't you interested? Was there one like that for you? I think so, yeah. So, um, you know, I started with plant identification in, oh, hold on one second, in my area. And then um, one plant that I started working with that kind of changed my idea about things was um, St. John's work. And uh, sorry, I was turning my green brightness off. But I just want to make sure I didn't hang up. Um, you still there? Right here. Okay, okay. So, um, yeah, St. John's Wort. I had, I can't remember why I started taking it, but I took it really consistently in late summer one of these years. And I just felt a lot different, a lot more clear. And it also helped me 
learn to trust the plants more than things that I read about the plants. So for example, there's the, the warning, it can cause photosensitivity. However, in my personal experience, I felt like it was actually protective and it helped me not get sunburned. Um, so that, that kind of made a shift and it cleared up. I used to have um, kind of acne and it helped clear that up and it just made me feel really, really good. And I think that was one where I had this pretty profound relationship with this herb. It's certainly one of the reasons why I love herbs. Here you are kind of experimenting with this plant and this, wow, it cleared my acne up. How wonderful. And I don't know if you heard that the color just before you was a woman with dysbiosis because she took Accutane for six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. It, it, it certainly their drugs work, but they, it's at such a cost yeah. to our well-being, whereas the herbs work almost as a, as a side effect to the primary effect, which is to improve our well-being. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll improve your well-being. And, us out. and, and I'll, 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 as a kind of second thought, I'll get rid of your acne over here, too. What's a question that nobody asks you that you wish they would ask you? Oh, <laughs> I meant that for you, but for me. Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> Those are questions that they gave me to ask you. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I meant to ask you that. Um, ooh, that's kind of controversial. Can I ask you that one? <laughs> <laughs> that nobody asked me. I wish. Uh, why? Why isn't anyone asking me to go to circle? That's what I Why is it anyone asking you to go to circle? Well, gosh, people ask me just about anything. <laughs> but there's a couple of things that I've always wished that people wouldn't ask me. I wish people would not ask me if they can ask me. <laughs> just ask. Right? Just ask. You, you just because just if ask. you're going to ask me, if you can ask me, well, you already asked. So just like, let's just cut to the chase. Okay. Right? Yeah. And, um, also, I wish people wouldn't um, ask me, uh, what about? Mm, like, what about an herb or something? Right, right. Because like, there's what about? so much about it. Like, what do you mean, what about? It's like, uh, uh. It's like, I feel like I'm, like, slipping on the ice when I get what about it. So mm. that's not exactly what do I wish they would ask me, but it's what I wish they wouldn't ask me. So. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. So, um, what else here? Um, community herb garden. Um, one idea that all budding herbalists should hear. Oh, okay. Again, what's funny is that I I wrote the questions thinking they were questions to ask you, but you know what? I like that question, so I'm going to answer it because you asked me, um, and you asked me. Uh, so, what a budding herbalist should know. I would say to trust themselves, their bodies, and the herbs more than anything else. Um, To really hone in and listen to their own bodies, to trust their own bodies, to trust the herb, and to trust their experience with herbs um, versus especially all the random information online, which is, as you probably know, you know, only half true at most. Yeah, I would say just to, to relearn that trust in their own bodies and the herbs directly. 
I completely agree. As a matter of fact, I'm sometimes on the point of saying you you cannot, you know, turn in any like correspondence coursework that came from the internet. It has to be your direct experience or somebody else's experience or something, you know, a book. And that's not to say that there isn't some pretty genuine stuff out there, but you've got to really sift through a lot of not good mm-hmm. stuff to be able to recognize it. And uh, that's just sometimes too much work. I love my herbal library, and I'm sure that you have already found out that being an herbalist means that you're also going to have a library. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely looking back at books, you know, written 30, 50 years ago, I, I find those to be a little bit more trustworthy, in my opinion, than, you know, especially those articles, you know, you find on Healthline or just random articles written by, by random people versus an article written by an herbalist, I, you know, is um, probably has a lot more um, to it than articles written by just random organizations or random people. Yes, and what a blessing that we have so many of us now of experience. I think back to 1965 when I went to the main branch of the New York City Public Library and asked for books about herbs, and they had four. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Were they and good? Three of them said, three of them said, put basil with your tomatoes and deal with your cucumbers, which is a good advice, oh. but it wasn't kind of advice, really, that I was looking for. And uh, certainly if I had, you know, been in some foreign language, especially like German or even French or Russian, uh, Chinese, I would have found a lot more about herbs, even in New York City. But as it was, you know, I had to wait until the 70s for Julian de Berkeley Levy to have her work published on this side of the ocean for Yul Gibbons to... um, invite us out into the the world, into nature, and to enjoy it in that way. So um, you have dreams about herbs. Is that true? Um, Again, I was going to ask you. I don't know why I thought that all the questions were that I was going to ask you, but I was curious if you had dreams about herbs. Um, I actually have not had many dreams about herbs. but that would be something fun to experiment with, I think. It would, certainly. And that's the kind of relationship that I'd like to see someone develop with a particular green ally. That, uh, that, that one plant, not that it's the only plant that you use, but it's a, a very special relationship. And that it can come to you in dreams or in other ways so that you say, ah, that's the charm of my charmed life. You probably heard me say that we all lead charmed lives. Just many of us don't actually recognize the charm um, as it's happening. So Yeah, I I heard that, and I I really enjoyed that. Um, It's very true, and all it takes is perspective to realize it. Mhm, mhm, and you talk about that um when when you talk a little bit about the fact that you have long term relationships with plants, yes, I do consider them um friends or i guess I don't know another word, but at least friends that um 
you know, like a normal friend, you know, you slowly get to know them. They have their own personalities. Um, relationships change. They deepen. Sometimes they fall off. Um, so, yeah, I, that's – I really like that tra- that perspective versus I think there might be a an urge um, in modern herbalism to kind of look at herbs as, you know, just a substitute for a pill. But they're actually – their own living intelligent beings and so um, I like to think about how I interact with them is is like a relationship it's a give and take um, it's a you know hopefully I'm giving something to them I know that they're very giving to me um, so yeah. oh, lovely yes absolutely it's there's always been um, a spectrum of ways to be, it certainly started uh, way back with naked people rolling in the in the plants and chewing on things. And it, for most of our um, tenancy here, um, we have thought about the plants exactly as you just said it, which is, uh, I'm, you know, they're giving to me, I'm giving to them. We're in this together. We breathe together. Right, they're making use of the things I can't to give me things so that I can give back to them. We can see the cycles and the spirals, how they um, feed and nourish each other. And then we get to alchemy. And what did the alchemist want? The alchemist wanted to find out what the specifics of things were in things so that they could trans mutate things and at this point the plants instead of having this innate intelligence that you're talking about become receptacles of chemicals mm-hmm. and I'm not against that as a matter of fact I have as a bookmark a photograph of two you you the Chinese um, scientist who spent 30 years analyzing every single chemical in Artemisia annua, looking for a cure for malaria, and could not find it, and in a dream was told, well, that's because you're using an ethanol extract, and this particular constituent is only available in water. Oh, I love that. I didn't know that, but I think that's I think that's perfect because, you know, I'm not against, for example, conventional medicine. I think it has its place. It just doesn't in my life have, you know, um it has its place, you know. If I if it were, I was in an emergency, you know, I'd go to an emergency room. However, the rest of the time, I would prefer to develop a relationship with my own body and with plants. Um, and it's interesting because I think it's kind of that balance of the feminine masculine energy. You know, it's not bad to know the constituents, but it's also not the full picture to say, oh, okay, I know the main constituent and therefore I know what to do with it and I can use it and all this stuff. Um, so I love that he had a dream about it. She. Oh, she. Ha- oh, there. <laughs> well, there you go. I don't know why I thought. Well, I'm glad she had a dream about it. Yeah. She's a quite an old woman at this point. 
Oh, wait, this is, when did you say this was? Let's see, she got the Nobel Prize, so I don't know, like within the past 10 years. Oh, I'm but sorry. I thought she was, was working on it for like 30 way, years. way, way long ago. Oh, no, it's not that long ago. This is fairly recent. Oh, wow. Well, that's an interesting factoid. Yeah, that, I mean, and she did indeed, you know, basically find the cure for malaria. And let's see. Well, I just cut out the picture. I didn't cut out the article, so I don't have the uh, um, date that she got the Nobel Prize. But it wasn't long ago. Yeah, I think our subconscious has a lot that it can tell us. Yes. Yes, especially when we think that we have exhausted all possibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the um, the last couple years actually has, you know, been a an, a rude awakening for many, but also an awakening for, for many people to kind of go back to, you know, the foundation of like what what's important, what's real. Um, anyways, I just think it's an interesting time and it's a good time to, you know, reconsider even if you already are into holistic health to kind of go back to the basics, like go back to, you know, your body and um, yeah, a random side note. And the local herbs. For me, oh, yeah. for me, it's always been about the difference between direct experience and indirect experience. So here's an indirect experience. I have a problem. I go to someone who can tell me about my problem, and they tell me I have to get something to solve the problem for which I have to have a medium of exchange which might include insurance for which I have to spend significant parts of my time doing things that do not have much meaning for me. Yes, that's a lot of middlemen. <laughs> a lot of middlemen in that side of the very very, um, It's a very ahead. indirect experience mm-hmm. as opposed to what you're talking about, which is a very direct experience. Right? I got stung by a bee. I was with two children who were four years old. They ran away as soon as I got stung by a bee, and I thought, oh, dear, are they frightened, until I saw them running back, both with plantain leaves for me. Oh, that's sweet. How How much more solid do they feel in the world than I did? Because they knew that they could get plantain for Grandma. Yes, I think people. I think people in general, hopefully, um, are kind of circling back to those local herbs. And even when you look at a herb, you know, you can get some fancy herb from halfway across the world. Set it down and look at it, and then you know, a local plant from down the street, and just you can tell the the vitality in there um, is so much stronger. And also, of course, you know, we are creatures of our environment. Therefore, I don't need something from the tropical rainforest. Well, I guess Oregon. It does have rainforests, but, you know, maybe the, the right. herb desert. It is, it is not tropical, <laughs> but of, it is kind of rainforesty. <laughs> definitely very rain. Yes, it's a rainforest. Um, but, yeah, so I don't need, you know, um, something from Morocco probably, you know. So it is interesting, though, because there's a lot of similar herbs 
in Oregon to, for example, north um, northwestern Europe. So, but then again, the it does seem like it's a similar climate as well. So, that's really interesting. And weeds tend to be weeds everywhere. Yeah. The same weeds pop up in Australia, Costa Rica, Portland. So Yeah, and they're asking. They're just asking to help us. They're like, I'm here. I'm here for you. I'm going to stay here and regrow, so you might as well deal with me. Um, those ones, yeah, I'm trying to, to work with those ones more. <laughs> uh, I'd love um, David Winston's work with that and uh, a couple of other people who are really looking at the so-called invasive plants mm-hmm. and finding what they do. One of the local beans of our existence has been this terrible grass that is just totally taking over. Um, and um, stitch grass, I think. And I just found an article that was talking about what a really uh, tremendous agent it is for helping to move chemicals along. Ah. And I'm like, oh, well, of course. That's you know, what we so need right now. What we need right now, even though it's like, you know, totally taken over where the plantain used to grow. Well, the plant, there's plantain has found another place to grow. It's okay. It's going to work out, Susan. You don't need to yeah. grow. Yeah, uh, we don't need to worry about the plants. Tanya, I want to make sure that there's time for you to tell people how to get in touch with you. Um, okay. Just do that right now, then, I guess. Okay. Um, well, uh, you can find me on most of the social medias, or if you go to either mossytonics.com or epicherbalism.com, um, they go to the same place and... Uh, I'm just working on the website a bit, but, or you could follow uh, at Tanya Oceana. And um, yeah, just, you know, if you're in the area, the Portland, Oregon area, area, and you want to talk about herbs or make an herb garden or anything like that, just give me a message. Um, yeah. And I can do, I'm doing some classes, some local herb walks, um, wanting to get more into one-on-one consultations and uh, other fun stuff like that, including some online courses. So, um, yeah, I'm available to talk. Yay! And what is it that you would like to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's been listening tonight? Yeah, I am really realizing in this last year especially that it is extremely important that we do go back to the core to the foundation um, and that includes our body so even um, you know going back to the herbs getting to know the herbs in your area listen to them work with them um, I think we first need to start with our body our own body and just realize that it is um, it's this beautiful gift that has so much to teach us if we can just listen and communicate back and forth with it um, because Our body and the herbs are both intelligent, and they want to talk to us, and they're on our side. So that's what I would like to leave. (laughs) That's beautiful. As Johanna Macy says, we are made of the earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are definitely part of the earth. Be made of, you know, 
I envision that we are reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. And I want to thank you, Tanya, for the beautiful threads that you have woven and continue to weave uh, in their beautiful patterns here in this cloak. And thank you for so much for helping me with my lifelong quest of returning herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine, the medicine that's right outside your door. And a big hug and a thank you to you too, Sarah Ellen. What fun birthday presents. Thank you all, Justine told me that um, they were not forwarding all the birthday messages to me because there were more than 500 and they didn't have the time to do that. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you 500 times to everybody who wished me a happy birthday and a happy Valentine's Day. And I love you too. Good things and good night. Thank you so much. Happy birthday. Bye.